Hello and welcome to I Am Here. It is a podcast with me, Gabby, and my cousin. That's me, Amarili. Amarili. And we are here to share stories, share the love, share the healing. Uh, you can follow us on all social media at I Am Here Pod, or you can email us and let us know what, what kind of things you want to see at I Am Here Pod at gmail.com. Today, we are joined with, you guys want to introduce yourselves? My name is Tim, um, a.k.a. Timoteo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am here. We're glad you're here. <laughs> Long time listener, uh, first time guest. Yeah. Hey, you made it to the show. Do it. He's living his dream. Finally, finally I made it. I'm Lourdes and I am also here. I'm just very proud. I'm very happy I'm here. I'm very proud of um, both hosts, Amarilis and, and Gabby. And I'm a licensed mental health clinician, originally from San Juan, um, Puerto Rico. And I'm just so glad to be here with you guys. We're so glad you guys came um, and agreed to participate in this um, because today we're going to talk about being in toxic and abusive relationships, um, which is not an easy conversation to have. So for both of you to agree to be honest and to share your testimony, we really appreciate it um, because you both have gone through challenging um, situations and then gotten out of it and kind of learned about um, who you are um, and and how to create healthy relationships after it. Um, and we've had a lot of feedback from people asking us to talk about relationships and dating and what is healthy, what is not, how to make relationships work. So um, I wanna hand it over to you guys because I've heard both of your stories separately and you guys have very different stories, but similar. And, and some of the characteristics, especially coming from a male perspective and a female perspective. Right before the show, I was thinking, man, like one of the biggest thing I think out of coming out of relationship, abusive, however you want to call it, emotionally challenging, um, it was like there wasn't a lot of red flags. And I think that's one of the main signs that it's not as obvious at the beginning. And the biggest thing for me was that shame that I carried with me of, how did I allow myself to get this far? How did I allow myself to interact with somebody um, and, and open my heart, open my life and, and trust? And I think that because it's not as obvious as the beginning, um, it's like a domestic violence incident, right? A lot of people may judge that and like, how did she allow that, right? Um, but obviously, um, you know, when they're trying to get your attention, the person's not like punching you in the face, right? So, um, and I think with emotional abuse, those words last, um, the effect is even um, hard, like harder to, to, you know, get over, but. Um, they're invisible wounds. You can't see yeah. an emotional bruise. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a therapist myself, when I reach out for help, you know, um, that psychologist is like, you are a therapist. You see the good in people. Like, and a lot of the times we empaths, when you have so much empathy and you're an empath in nature, you are already attracting certain individuals that may be narcissists, that um, are obviously preying on that. You are a target for that. Um, and that sensitivity, um, they play the victim role oftentimes, and then you fall for that. I can really help that person. I can really help you. And then it, it, it's almost like a whole twist. Um, and it makes you think like, 
Am I going crazy here? <laughs> like, like, because they do this very, very sophisticated twist to put it back on you. It's like the gaslighting. Um, yeah, and I'm talking about like way after the honeymoon stage, right? Um, and I think like looking back, one of those red flags is like a lot of attention, right? Like they'll call you at work and then call you at home. And then like, I, I remember I was moving at that time. I was moving from Lakeland all the way on to Orlando and it was like, calling and calling and calling calling and my mom was like oh you know you're moving and and then I realized like this is not normal attention I miss you it's like constantly you call me at work and and so on so um at, at that point it seemed normal I was like cool we miss each other calling how awesome right um but um yes Gabby like you were saying like the gaslighting and then the ghosting it's like going fishing and reeling back up. And then again, it's like a yo-yo effect and that really keeps you off balance. And once you open your eyes and you look in the, where you are in the middle of the tornado, it's quite difficult to get out of that tornado on your own because mm -hmm. I think the grief is not a normal grief like a breakup, right? Breakups are hard, but this is different. This felt very, very much different. This felt like someone is stealing your identity, your self-esteem, everything that's you and makes you question yourself, like makes you second guess yourself. And I think like understanding that there's a, a, a period, obviously that that process is different for everybody, but and, and the time frame, there's no timeline for healing. We can't put a time frame for mm -hmm. it. But at, at, at that point when I was in that healing process, it's a completely detox. It had to be stage by stage. Like it's question like even this. How long were you in this relationship? You know, I'm really bad with time. But I think <laughs> because of the beginning, it was like without, it was like unofficial, then official, you know, and um, it was probably a good two years, two and a half years or so on. And, um, you know, in, in that whole, like, I want to be official. And then like, finally, I love you. And I want to get married with you. I want to like, all of this and at the beginning it was you know i'm trying to like protect identity here as well mm -hmm. but at that moment um you know this is a man who's already you know uh, divorced going through his own issues and his own trauma and that's where my appeal went through i can help you and oh uh, how did she did this to you oh my gosh such a good father and all of that right um i remember me being in a meeting at work and i was already trying to like move move away and move you know forward with my life because i knew what i wanted it and he couldn't let me go and then he's like no back in um and i think that that shame was really hard but understanding too that once you break that pattern once you like okay i i'm starting to open my eyes but opening your eyes is a process that that voice like that abuser's voice it follows you it, it follows you like even to the and you're eating like while you're eating like don't eat this like you're gonna get fat mm. like you know so um it's it's almost like it becomes your internal voice yeah. and your whole self-value when you realize that you put your self-value in this person's hands the amount of shame um that i would get because a lot of my um, colleagues therapists be like you know we know the signs you should know better right um, or I don't understand how you being on this field could fall in this relationship and you know better um, so it took a lot of healing understanding like like was I stupid <laughs> my level of intelligence how I had allowed this when I 
um, would, you know, um, help patients to not, you know, to establish healthy boundaries and to not fall into these patterns. But this experience gave me a whole nother level of um, perspective and knowledge and uh, firsthand that I can now today proudly say that um, I can help, I can better help my clients, better help my patients and especially having healthy relationships and have even more empathy and compassion. Because you have a different understanding now that you went through it. It's different when you're outside of it and seeing the signs. And like you said earlier, of why does this person stay? Why is this something that they're, they're not getting out of? Why do they keep going back? You know, like you mentioned, leaving and coming back, leaving and coming back. Why would you uh, submit yourself to this? But like you said, it's a very gradual process. Um, and when you were talking at the beginning, a lot of attention, a lot of like love and phone calls and I love yous. And I know in like um, some of the, the counseling and professional terms, we call that love bombing now. You know, we were taught that that's romantic um, and that's beautiful. Like, oh, you want somebody who gives you attention, who does everything for you, who's always there for you. Um, and people who may be emotionally abusive or manipulative or have some kind of narcissistic traits are very good at the love bombing, giving lots of attention because they know um, how, how to play that game. And then they can't sustain it because it's not genuine, it's not real. And on top of that, like getting affection and love, um, you're gonna miss that now and then, especially like even if, if, if you separate yourself from the situation, going from getting all that attention to not having any, like you're gonna miss that in some way because we're, we're social creatures. We, we, we want relationships, we want to be around. To not have that, of course we're gonna miss it. So I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think we can judge anybody for staying in a situation like that because it's like you said, like the red flags aren't really red flags when you're in that situation especially when they get you used to like every you know time of day they're calling and then they purposely ghost you right mm -hmm. and then you're like okay so it's like they want to keep you on your toes and it's it's also a punishment like, and like uh, yeah. when you look at the power and control play like that's one of the biggest things when you're looking at emotionally abusive um, relationships is i'm using power and control to keep you or to punish you and then yeah. like uh withholding that affection withholding that love something that people um joke about um but the silent treatment that's that's an emotionally ab abusive tactic of like mm -hmm. i am withholding care and love for you because it's a punishment now um to show you how much power and control i have over you wow question for you Lourdes. how did you end up finding out and learning this is not healthy for me anymore because there's a lot of confusion in that when did you say "Ooh, this is not good yeah and i know it's different for everybody but for me it was the moment um that, that moment that i confront confronted him you're not attracted to men to me anymore like attracted you know and when you say that uh, to a person and i went there he looked straight in my eyes right but almost like almost with satisfaction not with pain so I said, I felt in my instinct, I felt a part of him was enjoying having that control and that power that I can put you up here and then I can bring you down here. Wow. And, and now I'm talking mostly narcissist, you know, uh, personality traits. And um, they're very insecure. That's something to remember. They are extremely insecure, but they appear so confident 
that you believe like, no, like I'm something, me, I'm doing something wrong, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not attractive enough. Whatever that may be that they're painting for you, they do a really good um, job at, you know, picturing that and then making you believe that. I think there's a line we all go to. So understanding, no, this is not real love. That because love don't, love like I know doesn't look like this. So was this the way he loves? But, you know, like I tried to make excuses and rationalizing. And the more I did, I couldn't find a way. There was like, no, not here, not here. So once every answer closed, I was like, there's no way on earth I can even allow any contact. And that took a process. That's a process. But um, once you make that decision for the con no contact, I think was when my healing started. A lot of, a lot of people, need, we need to understand, they move very fast. So they can be alone. So that itself is also painful to witness that. So how does that make sense? How are you already in a new relationship? Yada, yada, yada. So understanding that okay, they already have a backup or they are so insecure that they can't do the healing by themselves. Mm -hmm. They need to have an option to pray. So it's like a vampire needing blood and without that source, right, supply, I, I, I go empty because I don't have enough self-love for myself that I can be alone. So mm -hmm. that's their healing. Move on to the next. And then those things open your eyes, you know, gradually. Wow. So something you mentioned earlier that really caught my attention is you noticed that he was loving in a way that was not healthy because you've seen other people in your life love differently. Um, so I guess one of my questions would be, what would you say to someone who maybe has been through so many toxic relationships that they may not see it as a red flag or see it as a toxic relationship because that's all they know uh, the first thing i would say is like do you feel comfortable with yourself being in that relationship do you feel truly loved accepted as you belong um or you've always felt uncomfortable in all your relationships because maybe they're all being toxic and that's what i'm used to that's what i'm familiar like you're saying gabby but once you feel home right mm -hmm. i remember my mom asking me with my my current relationship and and she asked me charmaine do you feel at home uh with donnie i was like you know what? I do. I feel home. I feel at home. I could be like with no makeup. I could be like a mess. And I just feel <laughs> accepted and loved genuinely. However, how, whatever I look like doesn't matter because he loves me unconditionally. Putting all the, you know, to do's, to not do's, the red flags, all this, taking notes, putting that aside for a moment and just asking yourself, do you feel at home? Do you feel loved? Do you feel accepted? Do you feel comfortable with your own skin next to this person? Do this person add to your life? Or are you feeling like you're walking on eggshells or you're like, you can't truly be yourself? Jeez! <laughs> no, I felt that just because I've witnessed um, um, people who are very close to me go through really challenging relationships. And as a supporter, you know, as a friend, as a family member, feeling also helpless in, in like protecting and intervening in those moments because it's ultimately that person's choice whether to leave or not. Mm -hmm. um, but as you were talking about, do you feel at home? 
um, I remember some of the conversations I've had with people who are close to me and, and it was almost like this unending attempt to earn this person's love. Like if I just look better, if I just act better, if I just stop this, or if I just did this, then maybe just maybe everything would be okay. Um, and it's a constant unending trying to, to just achieve that love and changing who I am. Um, to be happy. Trying to accommodate for the other person in order to make it better, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they they make the excuse, well, I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to help I'm you. I'm trying to help you. I, I'm trying to like, right? So it's like, I'm pushing you to do better. And I was like, good, I need somebody to push me. I wanna do my best, right? Um, but it's a different push. It's a different, it's, it's when, when you have somebody who's truly supportive, who's rooting for you, it's not, it's not coming as critical. It's not coming with harm. It's coming with love. And you can feel that support. And it's not conditional being accepted or being loved. And I think um, dating a narcissist is pretty much your possession. So you have to look. That's the number one thing. You have to look put together. So, you know, you have to have your waiting point. If you are not attractive, they're not going to want you at all. So, because again, it's about bringing their status. It's not about you. It's about bringing their status higher because I'm so insecure that I need a higher status. So having a beautiful woman next to me, that will bring my status. Having a nice car, having, you know, like it's all about that because I need to rely on those supplies. So mm -hmm. if you're not meeting that criteria, they're going to mold you to meet that criteria and make it seem like, but I'm helping you have a healthy lifestyle and be your best, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think part of that too is like, how do I feel after I get that help, quote unquote? Do I feel supported, like you mentioned, or do I feel like crap? Do I feel like crap at the end of the day? And I know you mentioned earlier wanting to help your partner. Um, a lot of it that brought you back is just like, man, this person has gone through so much. And a lot of times they do like it, not to say that their stories are, are untrue, but they can be, but sometimes, no, they've gone through some challenging stuff. And sometimes you want to be helpful. You want to be the one to support. Um, how did you get out of that mindset? How did you break free from that mindset of wanting to help this person and say, mm, that's not my job? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really important question as, as, a, as a therapist, as a healer. It's hard to break. It's like, wow, I'm abandoning my journey, what I, what I thought I could help. But understanding, what are you jeopardizing, really? And I, I remember feeling really scared for myself or what I could become because I've always been pretty confident. I always have a healthy self-esteem. And here I was, like, collapsing. So mm -hmm. I knew that... Number one, you can't help anybody unless you help yourself. So it was time for self-help. It was time for me to help myself. Um, and recognizing that was important and understanding that it's not my job, um, you know, to help someone, especially jeopardizing my own emotional health and my self-esteem. And I remember um, specifically the therapist saying, if you continue on that path, you're going to lose all your identity. You'll become no one. <laughs> You become nobody. Forget Oof, low. Wow. So it was like forget low self-esteem. How about zero self-esteem? Because you become zero. You become nothing. That's the amount of damage um, emotional abuse can do. So for people to understand, and you don't even know I, who you are anymore. 
Yes, I didn't recognize myself. I couldn't even recognize myself. Um, And, you know, mothers know. So uh, I have a very close relationship with my mom, and thankfully, and she's always been very supportive. And I think that instinct of mother, and she, and I remember her looking at me as like, this is not a regular breakup for her and um and then you can't unmask it either so there's no closure either that's the other part there's no closure because in their own way they're very much delusional so they believe all of this so if there's no way you can recognize and be like listen this is what you did this is what happened like that's a waste of time so you can't you're not even- gonna get the accountability you're not gonna get the fr- you're not gonna get the apology that people look for you're not gonna yeah. get and i didn't even wanted an apology but you cannot speak the truth so you know because it's like you cannot unmask the evil so you never unmask it it's like and then people around here we they call it flying monkeys because they tell the story however they want to tell it mm-hmm. right convincing them and they all believe, right? And you have to live with that and say, I know my truth and know that the people that love you and surround yourself with a lot of support network and people who love you and to know that they'll believe what they believe and he believes mm. what he believes and he probably forever will believe that. It's hard to unmask that and not being able to unveil that and say, wow, I acknowledge this. I acknowledge, there's no acknowledgement. Gabby, you're feeling it. Yeah, she's talking. She's speaking your truth here. She's speaking your truth. The other important point is to understand they never let go. Like, it appears that they let go of you and they might have one girl the next day they're with another woman the next day um or they and then they might have another one it doesn't matter or they might have one very long term and it's like, how is it work with her and not me and you will do this stuff in your mind. So they don't let go of you like a possession so they'll wait till the water it's like calmer and then you know I think it was like probably like about two three months he was still contacting me like oh I'm so glad you're happy right mm. so it's like it's like fishing right it's like fishing like um like, or hey hey right? I hate those hey texts I hate them oh, <laughs> so vague like i haven't talked to you in like a year or two and it's just hey Hey. you know don't you know you could be 70 years old and still get a text they don't let go so and they might appear um (sighs) on the outside that they're so happy with their new person and their new life and their car and their boat and let you know and then you have to understand it's important to at the beginning if you feel like you miss them miss them and wish them best i think a lot of people start getting into these games and the best game to play with these people is not to play at all because you would never be like them and you don't want to be like them so you don't want to win this game so let them play it alone and unfortunately with somebody else you need that <laughs> wow. i'm clapping right. wow that was amazing <laughs> i'm doing group therapy or something <laughs> I feel every time i do these that's how it feels so so good but it's like when you were saying that, Lulda's, one of the things that came to my mind um, that that I have told myself and then even with clients that I've worked with and, and, and struggle, it's just like, it's okay to miss something, to miss someone. It's okay to miss the good times because that was genuine from you. It's okay to miss something, but that doesn't mean that you want them back. That's so hard because then that genuine part, when you said genuine, 
that brings back to like that was really hard like what was genuine because it felt so genuine right and usually um i have a lot of clients that this comes up um but he feels so that we connect there's so much chemistry it's like fire and that's one of the things like when i talk about genuine and i i mention it like because when i think of just my own experiences but thinking of of also people i'm like the love that you gave as a person, everything that you felt in that relationship was real. What you received maybe from the person may have been a whole uh, mirage and a facade, but what you felt and what you gave was truly you. And that's genuine. And I can miss those good times um, because it brought the best in me in those small moments, but I know it's not healthy and I don't want that whole relationship back. Yeah, absolutely. But in the grief, we, we analyze them. We look back and analyze what was genuine about them a mm -hmm. lot. At least I did. I think that what's important is to understand that you can't figure out what was genuine and what, what wasn't. Even somebody who was narcissist or abusive, whatever they were with you, there might have been times that that person was genuine with you or there might have been times they're not. But nevertheless, overall, somebody uh, was being taught it was toxic in your life and that's what's important because for me it was driving me crazy uh on not accepting that how could everything that he did again it felt so genuine but the times that it was toxic it was not it's, it's not negotiable right it doesn't make up it doesn't make up because that's the part like a lot of my clients are like but he's so good and i remember my mm -hmm. friends like, what good he does to you i was like well he changed mm -hmm. the lights in my car like he did that he did it, you know, and she would make fun of me. He gave me a foot massage. <laughs> yeah. but most importantly, you were feeling a chapter in their life. You were feeling, doing a purpose. You were there for a purpose to fill some gap that they had. And that was, that was your purpose. And that's why they were trying to maintain it. Because if they're being evil to you all the time, nobody's going to stay. No smart woman yeah. right, is going to stay. But it's about, again, the gaslighting and the ghosting and all of that and back and forth. And that yo-yo is what keeps you going and what keeps you spinning in your head. So this made me think, because I was writing the other day in my journal, and I like was thinking about toxic people in our lives. And also, I was thinking about this idea of them being good to us now and then. And it made me think of like weeds. Like there are some weeds that look really pretty. Like there's like dandelions, they're really beautiful. And some weeds like even have flowers that come out of them, but they're essentially killing everything around them. Mm. And that kind of just makes me think of that because we have these people in our lives that we had good times with them now and then. And like, we kind of hold on to that positive, but we kind of lose sight of all of the dead grass all around us, essentially. Yeah, yeah the full picture. Yeah. Timoteo, share your story. Okay. Because Lourdes um, is a talker and you're a listener, and it's a bad combination, but it's a good combination. I'll shut up. I don't have a specific story. I have like a bunch of, I guess, a bunch of stories. Um, I'm going to be referring to um, a number of relationships. I mean, like, one, a number is probably like three or four. <laughs> 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 all right. First of all, like, I know that I'm not, you know, like a sink. I'm not like the perfect guy. I contributed to hardships in relationships for like various reasons. But like now that I'm older or more experienced, I could, you know, I can tell the difference between a reaction to something I did to like someone's own, someone's own trauma or someone's own, um, their own hurt. Saying that 
I don't think that the majority of the abuse that I've had, that I've gone through, was uh, intentional. It might be, but in my mind, it doesn't seem like it. And um, I feel like it was just them being them um, and me being with them in that moment. And uh, whether or not, you know, it was right to act that way or think that way uh, or not, it was, you know, it was just them being them. And you kind of see where it comes from. It's not an excuse, but it's kind of, I, I understand, you know. It kind of goes back to what Lourdes was talking about. Like, sometimes they, like, people go through really challenging times. People have trauma. People have stories where you do um, feel for them because it's painful. Um, and you kind of witnessed it. Um, whether it was intentionally harmful to you may matter, may not. Um, but the fact is, when we are in abusive relationships or things where abuse happens where it don't feel good, it's almost like you saying, you know, that person didn't mean to shoot me. You know, that bullet wasn't aimed for me. Yeah. Oh, you my God. Exactly. But, you, but it still okay. hits you. Yep. Yeah. You know what's so interesting? I just had a dream about this exact same thing. I had a dream that this kind of off job, but it, it is the same thing, that there was a person that came into, like, a Walmart slash, like, Thing, and then they were shooting and everyone was freaking out and then it was like this 19 year old kid and afterwards I'm sitting with him and I and he was like I'm the one who did it and I was like oh man that's that's really bad and then he turns to me and he goes I didn't mean to and I was like what do you mean he was like they, they were just rubber bullets and I was like yeah but you still shot at people and it was like whoa so th this is all coming back and like whoa anyway yeah. yeah that's that's crazy actually that's a huge like metaphor right there yeah man okay like they don't mean to do it they still did it you still got yeah. hurt you still got hurt you got you got shot you got whether shot, they meant right? to hit you or not to them it's like oh i didn't mean to hurt you like that but you don't know those bullets are rubber hurts yeah it hurts it hurts either way okay what was i saying <laughs> oh yeah red flags red flags right i kind of had a tendency to go for women that were i guess kind of in distress uh, <laughs> you know what i mean like i just imagined you on a horse like oh i'm going to save the young man yeah, yeah it felt good it felt good honestly honestly like i was like oh man like she's you know she's got all this going on like i want to be that guy you know to help her out it wouldn't happen like you know i'd see them you know somewhere like oh, oh yeah please help me it was like you know you get to you meet them, you know, you're attracted, you, you know, you meet them, and then you get to know each other, and then all this stuff spills out, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they, they could be red flags. They could be a huge red flags, like one after the next. And, like, to me, it was just like, oh, man, like, let me get this. Let me get that. Let me, you know what I mean? Like, in my head, I didn't necessarily... Um, actually like take on all of it but i wanted to i had this like feeling that i you know what i mean like i needed to um you could i can relate to that one because <laughs> lourdes you said you that was the same reason you you kept coming back mm. yeah and that tendency too um it's when i look back like what was that what was attractive to me mm -hmm. it was the moment that he cried about his divorce or his wife and I said oh my gosh poor guy and, and my empathy went on that was the moment I was like I wasn't even attracted 
at all before. And the moment that he started crying, and that psychologist said, stop looking for clients and look for a man. Um, like okay this is like now i'm just attracted to helping others and that boundary between my job of helping others and my personal life and i was like then i once i was healed when i would meet somebody i was like do you have any issues i mean we all have some type of trauma but i was like you need to go get your own therapist because i am not going to be your therapist <laughs> you know so i i made myself establish those boundaries I mean, you don't even have to be a therapist. Just I think you have that in you, um, Tim, that you have a good heart and you want to help others. And that's, I can see how that would be attractive is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And um, I didn't know there were red flags. Like you said, I didn't know there were red flags. I just, it's something that I wanted to help with. You know, they're, they're telling me for a reason, right? I'm the, I'm the person that they, you know, they care about. So, you know, of course, I'm the guy, I'm the guy to do it. I'm the person to do it. Going along with that, there was, you know, past past relationships that they had to deal with or currently dealing with that were really intense and really just not healthy. There was disrespect of each other, you know, just, just you know, calling each other every name in the book. Uh, there was, you know, the physical violence. There was, like, uh, possession, like, you know, being extra possessive. You know, the guy would do whatever he wants type of situation, and she'd be the one, like, you know, trying to keep it together or, you know, just being the good one. That that also kind of was like, well, I'm not that guy. I could totally make this thing, you know, you could make this thing like way better and have this awesome relationship. Um, and ideally, you know, that's cool. But then it doesn't work when the person you get with, they, they carry all that with, they carry those behaviors, they carry those habits of this is how a relationship is we're supposed to argue you know we're supposed to i can i can argue i can you know call you whatever i want i can you know disrespect you it's i finding comfort in that chaos and it's like yeah. bringing that chaos to a new relationship right they're responsible for their own behavior but it's like man like i i'm not that guy <laughs> i see why you're doing it because that's what you learned but man like just can we chill? <laughs> Can we have a discussion? Can we, you know, and, and it's, it's crazy because coming from one to another, it's like night and day. It's like, whoa, like this is, we can't have, we don't have to argue. We don't have to get loud. We don't have to like, um, we can just talk about things. It's like uh, mind blowing. Like what? Right. Right. And, and when it would happen, when it would happen, I, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was wondering. So when was it? When was good? Was it really good? Oh yeah. Because that's what I meant. What by like those fireworks and the connection and if it was genuine or not. And that's when it messes with you because oftentimes and it happened to me. And oftentimes I would have clients be like, "But when it's good, it's so good. Like no mm -hmm. other relationship. Like fireworks. Like the mm -hmm. connection that you probably haven't felt." Mm -hmm. And we confuse that almost infatuation with love. And I think that we make that excuse for the really bad because there's really good. But that's another red flag for me. Like if it's like super, super, so, so good, but then there's those intense times that Tim is saying, like. Literally, it was like, this is, this is the person. Like there, like I've maybe talked to somebody before, but like, this is the best I'll ever have. Like I was, I always felt 
so lucky to have that person. And and it was like, I'm never gonna find anyone like that. It was, it was like, this is my person, so I got I have to deal with this, you know? Um, this, is, this is it, right? Yeah. There's no other option. No. Uh, and I remember my dad telling me like, he was like, Charmaine, take him out of the pedestal. Like, take him <laughs> out of the pedestal. Like, why do you, like, because oftentimes they think they're God, even though they will never admit it. And then we kind of like believe that. Exactly. Uh, Lourdes, you were saying this before, like they kind of bring you down. So it's almost like you feel like, wow, I'm not worthy to be with this person. Like this is so, like you feel lucky to be with them too mm -hmm. because of those good times. Yeah, and th that's also what kind of contributed to not wanting to leave. Definitely not wanting to go anywhere. With those specific relationships, it would be back and forth. It would be a heated argument, and because of the heated argument, okay, we're done, we're through. And at the time, I'd be like, oh man, I don't have to, I don't have to be in this. And that was that was almost like a relief. Yeah, but then it was, you know, a few days would pass, and like Lourdes was saying. Um, they'd find somebody you know they'd already have this person that person that person lined up and it was it would just it would just get in my head and it, it just ate at me for the days or week or weeks however long it was and then we'd, we'd be talking you know here and there and it, we'd be back together and then it would be the, the whole cycle all over again <laughs> and and i feel like on both of our parts it was like oh wow like I know such and such happened and it's like uh but we're back together and it's like we don't even acknowledge all the crap that got us broken up in the first place and then i it would get it would build up again and it would get to a point where i, I was just waiting for the next argument you know just like all right this is the one like i this is and that was my mistake honestly but i'd be like this is the one that you know i can i'll make my exit it's almost like your way of escaping. Like, I don't know how to deal with it, so I'm going to escape by ignoring it and avoiding it. Um, but then it's back in the cycle, because like you mentioned, you never get to resolve the problem. The problem is always, like, swept under the rug. Like, what problem? There's no problem. We're good now. Ignore that. That's It's fine. Like, it's... And it's, again, almost minimizing the actual seriousness. We've talked about um, gaslighting earlier, and some people may be um, aware of that term, and a lot of people may not. Um, but gaslighting is, is that, is kind of bringing down um, the importance of things. Like, um, if I have a complaint or a situation, they minimize it. Like, oh, it's not a big deal, or you're just making it up, or you're exaggerating. Um, and the term came from an old movie. They had like lamps where they had the gas um, and they would light the lamps with gas. Um, and, and the partner, like the husband, would lower the gas light. Um, and then the woman would say, did you lower the gas light? It's like, the, like is it? And she's just like, no, no, I didn't. And that would happen every day every day and she, to the point where she wouldn't ask anymore even though like she smelled the gas she wouldn't ask anymore because it got in her head where she can uh doubt her judgment because he kept saying no it's not true she would ignore the gas so much that she eventually died like he killed her because the gas then poisoned her but she was ignoring the signal she was ignoring um 
the, her own senses because she believed his word over hers, which is where the word gaslighting comes in in these toxic relationships, where you start ignoring the signals, ignore, ignoring problems, keeping it away because you believe this person's word more so than yours. And there's a lot of self-doubt in there. Um, so when you're talking about these conflicts that you would have and you would never resolve them, and you mentioned too, just like coming into relationships afterwards and saying, wait a minute, I don't have to argue about it. Like there's no, um, we can actually talk about it and we're not walking away from each other. We're not, it's not the end of a relationship because we're disagreeing because you get to the point where you're just like, I don't even want to disagree with anybody because I know what that means. I mean, that means it's over. And you can actually talk about your feelings. Like you couldn't even be assertive before, like like a regular person. <laughs> like before, you would say, "I feel hurt because of this," and they would look at you, be like, "I don't know what to tell you." Like, I, like yeah, that's your problem. That's your problem. Yeah. Or you don't, or, or you don't feel that way. No, you don't. You're not. No, oh, no, you don't. Yeah. Or you would feel like I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why you ask these questions, or you would even go there. Like it's it's, it's like it's your fault for bringing that up, right? Like. You made me go there. That's why I had to hurt you. So next time, don't ask the questions. You don't want to hear the answers. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and in addition to that, being vocal was um, you get like discouraged after a while. You know, you, you you express how you feel. You're like, you know, I'm, you don't got to use that language type of thing, or you know, even your, your your own feelings about the relationship. Like, I don't like, I don't like how we are. And it's just met with this huge like reaction, yeah. and you're just like, <laughs> you like, get All right. tired. Yeah, you're just like, ah, well, mm, I'm not gonna say anything, you know. And it makes you doubt yourself, right? If someone's gonna react that that big to something I said, maybe, maybe, maybe I am wrong about it, you know. Yeah. And for me, it was different because I've always been very assertive. So, mm -hmm. and I remember when the relationship started, and I they probably the family knew that he didn't treat his ex-wife very well because I remember in front of me the dad looked at him and he's like don't do the same with her you can't you're not gonna be able to do with her wow. like, you know, like she she has a master's in psychology <laughs> um, so like you you know she, she I think they knew so when when he looked at her and said and that's exactly what happened because I didn't let things go I would talk it I would bring it up I would confront mm -hmm. it I didn't stay quiet. I wasn't this submissive woman that would just, but it made me self-doubt, like what Amarelis is saying. It made me second-guess myself a lot. And backstage, I would be like, hmm, like, is this me? But I would push. And that's what happens when you push a narcissist. You create a bomb, a bomb, mm -hmm. because it's about them. Right. And that's the biggest thing we need to interject. It's not about us. We take it so personal. I'm not good enough. It's not even about you. It's about them. <laughs> you know, it has nothing to do with you. It's about them. You know, and they get what they want. 99.9% they're the golden child, right? So and it depends because like you're mentioning like, because you dealt with, with somebody who was dealing with narcissistic uh, personality traits. Um, and I know there's other abusive relationships where they don't have a narcissistic trait, where it may be more of the opposite. Instead of being the golden kid, they're like the neglected or abused or hurt one, where they've gone through so much struggle and nobody cares about them. Um, and then you want to be like the person to show them what love is. And like, no. So sometimes they do have the support of people and are just like very charming when they're more narcissistic. But when you're seeing like other personality traits coming in, and you see the up and down, it's almost like the victim mentality of, 
nobody cares about me. Now you're leaving me too. You don't like me. And it's again, a different way of hurting. Um, because you can get sucked in that way too, of just like, I don't want to be another person to hurt this, this mm -hmm. individual. Yeah. The mind specifically was very narcissistic abuse. And I understood that afterwards. And his sister actually told me he's a narcissist. And wow. I, didn't even, you know, at later I was like, oh, she told me. Um, but um, nevertheless, they understand that they also play the victim very well. And when you look, um, when you look at the history, when you look at the family dynamics, there's a lot of dysfunction. Um, and, you know, maybe some of the reasons that contributed to the illness itself, but um, they are the golden child, but there's a lot of trauma itself, even with narcissism. So um, oftentimes we put this um, the narcissist as an evil, as, oh my gosh, but they are also victims of dysfunction. To add to the opposite end of the spectrum, what Marias was saying, one person I was dating, she actually had a personality disorder based on forming uh, attachments. So, and that was like upfront presented, like I have borderline personality and, you know, here's, here's a book on it. You know, this is me. If you want us to go anywhere, just read this, you know, it'll tell you all about me. Even understanding it, being in it, it's still like having that guilt of, of leaving or having that guilt of look what you, you know, look what you're doing to me. You know, there was some self-harm, destroying property. We would go out together um, and then we'd have a great time and then, you know, have a couple drinks. She would, I didn't drink back then, but you know, she'd have a couple drinks or whatever. And she was really sensitive to drinks. I don't know if back then I wasn't like savvy on, on medication um so i wouldn't i knew she had some i didn't know if she took it regularly or not but it was like as soon as the drinks hit it was another person and that that person was super aggressive and just volatile even as we were out i i felt like i had to be the guy to like you know keep it contained in this in this you know huge environment and um and even while i was doing that say a conflict happened uh, with, with her and another person. I, you know, I was the one to be like, all right, we're not doing this. Um, it was like, why are you, why are you like, get off me? Who do you think you are? Like, I, I don't need you to hold me back from anything. I, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, what do I, what do I do? And then got to a point where I kind of stopped intervening. But when it was just us two coming back home, going to, going where she lived, just punching things, breaking things on property. Um, and, you know, hurting herself in the process. And then the next, the next day waking up, like, why would you let me do that to myself? Why would you let me, you know, um, do that? Like, I'm going to get in so much trouble, you know how I get. So then, you know, whatever, next time it happens, I'm like, all right, something happens. I don't know, something I say, or maybe not say, or whatever, we get into an argument and she would start hurting herself and me remembering, like, don't let her do that. I'd have to hold her and I'd hold her and it would be, it would be a struggle from then. It was like, nah, don't, don't hold me, don't hold me, you know, get off of me, get off of me. I'd let go. I'm like, I, look, I'm not, I'm gonna let you go. Like, we're not gonna, as long as, you know, as long as you're cool. That's when, you know, you start tearing things, you know, and then I had to like think like, all right, well, I don't care. You know, she's going to be mad at me one way or another, but I'm going to try and stop it. And it was that kind of cycle that was like you know she needs somebody there all the time uh or something really bad is gonna happen either you know to her or to somebody else 
or you know she might go too far and it kind of like hit me like the one of the last times i don't want to feel responsible anymore i don't want to you know try to call you when you're not there because of something that i might have said or didn't do i don't want us to get in trouble so i'm like you know this is it it's last time and then you know you know back off back on again type of thing <laughs> but that that is that is one of the things that kind of like really drove it home like i i got it i gotta stop once it got to a certain point i'd be like okay this i never thought i would get here in my life and like i don't want to go past this so that's kind of where i like woke up and was like all right no matter what this is it you mentioned something both of you mentioned earlier because like um dealing with conflicts in relationships is actually healthy you know you're gonna have disagreements and being able to be assertive and speak your 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 feelings and your thoughts and and having a safe space with your partner where you can explore disagreements and actually think of options and grow together as as um as a union you know as a partnership um is a natural part of a healthy relationship but coming from emotionally abusive and maybe physically abusive relationships you learn to not speak up and not to voice any disagreements because conflict now is um equaled with danger and and intense fights so i want to avoid all types of conflict and i want to make everybody happy and kind of avoid any problems um that may be true for some uh some people i don't know if that's true for you guys um, that was that was that happened to me I, I know that's definitely probably not what it is but <laughs> <laughs> um so tim timoteo answer for me <laughs> yeah 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 there you go um i think i think it's a good sign that i didn't um i think that i took my time for healing i I was quiet on my own for some time and I took that time um, and thankfully I got myself. I didn't lose myself. I didn't lose my voice. Um, not at work, not in relationships, as Daniel. <laughs> so um, I, I... But I it took you a long time to get that back because there, like, it's, it, it didn't happen all of a sudden. It took you a while and it took you a lot of work to get to that point because there would be times that you even though you would voice it you would become small again because self-doubt would like what's the point what's the point of doing this or trying to like almost finding yourself you would catch yourself sometimes and you're like wait a minute why am i why am i doing this and then would switch off it's almost like that people pleasing syndrome was still there um because that's what you were trained to do almost in a relationship yeah and i don't know how much of that is like my personality i think like free you know honestly um you know honestly to be completely transparent i don't know how much of that i attribute to the relationship itself i remember me as you know even younger my mom saying you could say no you know and i think i've always had that people pleaser quality on myself but i i don't recall me losing my voice but I started like you said Amaritza I started associating in negative effects of using that voice um especially at work when working with agencies when you speak the truth it was almost the similarity like you said like don't wake up the monster don't speak the truth just keep 
going, keep working and doing as they say and don't say anything at all because whenever I would speak up, it just didn't happen or it didn't got acknowledged or people would look at you like you're talking Chinese. So it was like a waste. I was like, what is the point to advocate anymore? You start getting tired. So it was that similarity like in the relationship or in a workplace that it's also toxic workplaces. So um, understanding when to leave those jobs is also important. And I think those were a reminder for sure. Yes. Um, I, I kept talking though. <laughs> I don't think I, they got me quiet. Some people wish they got me quiet. <laughs> when you had mentioned like you kind of lose your identity and these things start getting chipped away because being assertive and being truthful is punished. In being able to get out of these these relationships, when you finally realize this is it, like you both hit a point where you're like, this is it. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. This is wrong. Um, this doesn't feel good. You still have that back and forth of that self-doubt. How did your support system, how did friends or family, like you mentioned, Lourdes, how, or like therapists, you went to therapy through this. How did your supporters help carry you and help you through that process? I was always really, uh, like I didn't really talk much about my relationships to people. Um, they would, you know, uh, it was always, you know, her and I and, and just us type of, type of thing. Like you Bonnie know? and Clyde over there. <laughs> right, right. It was like, you know, just, and in some situations, like, that's kind of how it was forced to be because I was kind of like, can't really be hanging out with your friends type of thing like you we're not gonna do that type of thing anymore it's you know what i mean it's just just us that's what she would tell you kind of like isolating you you can't hang out with the people that no. you used to hang out with it would be strongly strongly Im, Im, implied and through, <laughs> through different ways so i would i would um i wouldn't talk to anybody about it and i i honestly it was like, the, it's not healthy, but it was just a matter of going into the next relationship. And, and, um, and I didn't necessarily heal from whatever I, you know, the past one. But I saw like, you know, I saw, I saw something in this other person and it was different. And um, um, I didn't really give my chance, my, myself a chance to heal, but you know, it kind of distracted me, at least. So, not really the best, uh, <laughs> the best method of doing it. I wouldn't recommend it. But <laughs> it's, it's okay. To say we're not judging. We are not judging. <laughs> For me, I've always been an open, a very open person. I mean, I've never talked about this in uh, a podcast, though. So this is like really uh, personal and right out there. Um, but. I think at the beginning it was hard to even share because I didn't even know what was happening. So I needed to figure out what's happening here, first of all. And because it literally felt like I was in the middle of a tornado. So it was just picking up the pieces. And yes, I remember my mom being there for me. And um, obviously I, I have friends that are very supportive and um, which I give full credit because that my support network really helped in that healing process. And um, I, I did reach out for help and I think that that long healing process, the key factor was every single time that you would feel weak or self-doubt or every single text that you get, I mean, blocking would be the best option, but that takes time, I get it. But every single like message or thought you would get 
you needed that confirmation that you're doing what's right for you, that you are not wrong for what you're doing, that you're not going crazy, um, that this is toxic and, and reminding. You needed those reminders why it is that you are not responding to that text and not entertaining the nonsense anymore. It's no longer my problem. It's another woman's problem and you pray for her and you call it a day, right? Um, and <laughs> because at the beginning, it's almost like that, that rage that you're like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to tell this woman really who she's dating. Like, she's not going to know. And then you're like, I don't care. It's not, you know, and it's not like, it was never like that careless. It was just like, it's no longer my problem. It's like you, you, you're free. Yeah. It's like freeing It's yourself. not your responsibility. It's like, oh, you know, you can live, you can be yourself. And then, you know, that, that's it. Well, I think that my support network helped me in confirming that at moments that I felt weak, at moments that I felt self-doubt, at moments that perhaps if he reached me um, and I would second guess myself if this was right, right? Because we had an absolutely great connection. Um, so I think that that was, that was key. Like I was telling Gabby earlier, they don't let go. And it's always about them. Like he could watch this show today and, he, and, and, and hear me and say, oh, she's not over me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> she's talking about me, oh my gosh, right? I can't believe. Or she twisted the story, right? Because that's what's on their mind. But that's fine because it's not my job to unveil, reveal the truth anymore, right? And I think my speaking of support network and, and, and my support and my resources, um, God was there all along with me. And I can't forget that, that, you know, um, I think this is very much also a spiritual battle. Um, and I remember him during the relationship using Bible verses or, uh, or God and with something that I was like, but he's so good, but he's godly and all of this. And mm. it was, that's why it's so confusing, but I understood this, this is also a spiritual battle and how I, I could feel peace in my heart regardless of what the family believes or his family or it doesn't matter it, it i know my truth i know who i am i know what i give i know my value but at that point maybe i was questioning my value we find support and we like oh we're not alone in this there's more people right or put a post on facebook and it, it you look back and you're like how did i do that like and because we're, we're going through such a fragile stage there like can somebody see the truth somebody um, and some people could call it, oh my gosh, that's so immature or so childish and, you know, and not really understanding what the person may be going through that's crying for help. So, um, it for goes me back to what even like Tim was saying of you didn't experience that because you had, you had your support network was really tight, but a lot of people who go through, um, difficult relationships and, and abusive relationships, there is that phase where I'm going to isolate you from people who can possibly help you. I'm going to isolate you and separate you um, from your friends that you would go to, like healthy people, because now you are mine, like you mentioned, a possession. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes it a lot harder to leave that relationship because of the lack of support. So reaching out on social media or putting things, it may seem immature to some, but when you don't have support in those moments, you're looking for help you're looking for validation you're looking for some sort of support where you have the strength to leave within my support network it's important to know we can have a great support network and 
still, and I have a great support network, it's still hard for the people who love you to understand this. Like, uh, it's it was hard for me to even explain it. Like, I remember my mom looking like, what is this? Like, confused. And even your friends. So getting past that judgment, because I, I, because I was judging myself so much, um, I felt so embarrassed. Like, why? I'm not this fragile, or I'm not this person. I have a good self-esteem. Like, you know, I felt so embarrassed that it was even hard for me to share it. You have to forgive yourself and understand that process first in order to let your support network help you in some way, shape, or form. We do have to help ourselves. And um, there were times that they didn't understood. There were times that maybe they were not as, um, you know, understanding or, uh, or they were kind of rough, but maybe I needed some somebody to be rough in the moment too. Yeah. While you're in a relationship, when you're trying to move away from it, you know, they lash out at you sometimes and, you know, it doesn't make you feel any better <laughs> about it because, you know, you feel bad on top of that. You know, I was called a narcissist myself and a psychopath. Um, because I'm into myself. That's that's what it came off as. But me just wanting to be in a better place doesn't necessarily take away the, the good things that we did have. It's just us together. And it took me a while to, you know, get to that realization. I actually have this notebook, like, right next to me. It's my journal. And in it, I had so many excuses for getting back with the person I was with in that toxic relationship. And, like, we had broken up multiple times before, but, like, I kept trying to restart it to try to fix things. Um, and, and like, it was kind of like what Tim was saying. Like, I wanted to help. Like, I really wanted to be there to be that person to help the person get through whatever they were going through. And in, like, my list, like, it was, like, ten pages, not even exaggerating, maybe eight pages, but, like, close to ten pages, full pages of me like saying, this is what I need to change in order for this to work. This is what I need to do in order for this to to continue, for us to have a healthy relationship. And it's crazy because like looking back at it, uh, I think about how much I was walking on eggshells and how much on top of that, I was also putting so much effort and it wasn't really being reciprocated. And that was the scary part of it all. Because in the, in the, like, the thing, I was like, we need to talk about this. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Don't. And it's like a list of things I couldn't do. And I just had that there for myself. And like looking back at it actually broke my heart because like now I'm in a like a positive relationship. And it's so funny because it's like, like you guys said, like, I can talk about things now. Like I can, I won't get yelled at. Like, oh, or like, I don't know, like, I was having a normal conversation with Oso the other day. At one point, I was talking to him, and then I was talking to everybody in the room, and everyone stopped, and they just stopped and looked at me to listen to me, and then I felt super uncomfortable, because I was like, you guys are listening to me? Like, I'm not used to that. Mm. Or, like, even in my relationship, where I'm like, like, when he first, like, was like, hey, this is a problem, we need to talk about it, I was already scared. I was like, all right, so it's the end. Like, he's gonna break, like, I'm, we're gonna break up right now. Like, I don't want to talk about this. And then eventually I realized, oh, wait, we actually fixed this. Like, we talk about it so it can get fixed. It's not something that we say we're going to fix. And then we just keep, like, doing over and over. So it's interesting because, like, I always doubted if the relationship I was in was toxic. But then, like, listening to you guys, I'm like, that's why the whole time I was like, mm -hmm. I felt like I was listening to, to another one of those songs that I'm just, like, really feeling. Because the whole time I was like, yeah, 
like checking all the boxes like that's terrifying um that's so and it's people. so subtle it's so subtle just like you guys had mentioned at first you don't realize it because it's a way of getting you in and there's small little things where you're able to doubt yourself when it becomes so aggressive you know you're like oh this is bad but it's like, almost like a slow transition where it gets a little bit worse a little bit bit worse and you start doubting yourself and Earlier, you had mentioned this, Tim, and it brought this to mind, even when you were just talking about this, Gabriela, of all the things you can't say of when you are in an unhealthy relationship with unhealthy people, when you set healthy boundaries, because every relationship has boundaries, no matter how close you are, there are different levels of, of boundaries. But in a healthy relationship, you do have boundaries and you respect them. But when you're in, un, in an unhealthy relationship, once you set boundaries, you are called a narcissist. You are called um, cavalier. You are called all these different things. You're called selfish because it's not okay for you to have boundaries because I no longer can benefit anymore if you're setting up boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when it becomes hard and you do feel guilty because it's like, am I being selfish? for wanting me time? Am I, am I being selfish for, for asking this person to change something or to talk to me? Am I being selfish for wanting to go to the gym and take care of my body? Am I being selfish for going out with my friends? Um, and, and you start to question all of those things. Um, and it's a way of manipulating, manipulating and manipulation of, of I need to have you at all times manipulating what other people think like you were saying with the flying monkeys so well you were saying the flying monkeys i brought it up because the yeah. flying monkeys like you mentioned that i love that you call it the flying man used to but um that's the actual term they use i i invented it but oh really yeah. i've never heard that i only know the flying monkeys from um the wizard yeah. of oz so it's almost yeah. like the witch and then the flying monkeys just follow whatever mm -hmm. the witch says yeah. and um that's exactly what happens in abusive relationships. Once they can no longer control you because now you're saying boundaries, now you're saying no, now you're removing yourself from the situation, they can no longer manipulate and control you. They start to control and manipulate how other people see you. Yeah. Um, so they're going to discredit you. They're going to um, spread rumors. They're going to call you names. They're going to say, you're the one that's toxic. You're the one that, because Tim, you mentioned that earlier. But I've, I've, I've heard from so many people getting out of relationships and even just with clients I work with that that's the first thing they're calling me a narcissist. Um, or they say I'm having this issue or they're diagnosing me because they went on Google and diagnosed me. Um, and they say I have all these, all these traits and people start to question. And, but the truth is um, they discredit you and other people start hating you in order to, again, manipulate you back in order to uh, isolate you and bring that power and control back i um, mean it's it's very common and it makes it a lot harder for you to leave because then you don't have the support and that makes the grieving process very painful too because um it, it's it's hard to to live with knowing that all all of them are going to believe I'm, I'm a horrible person right um and, and who's there to save you yes. the person that you're trying to leave Nobody yes. understands me like this person does. Uh, I just got a, a message that says we have a question. It says, what can you do for loved ones stuck in toxic relationships? I guess just being present and trying to see things from their point of view. Uh, it, that's, that's not always easy and it's not always clear. But 
at least being open, like letting somebody know that you're always there for them. And maybe even asking, you know, just checking on if you notice your friend being a little more distant since being in this relationship, check on them and don't stop. Even if they're not responding, they, they might, they might respond one day. So I think, I think just being there, uh, just reminding that they're always there. I think that's important just because um, being a witness to people very close to me being in very um, toxic and emotionally abusive relationships, as someone who cares about them and who loves them, I also felt very powerless and helpless in those situations because it's not my relationship. So I want to respect those boundaries, but recognizing the person that I love is getting hurt by someone who quote unquote loves them. Um, and not being able to make any changes of that uh, for that and seeing it play out for years and years and years. Um, and being present as a loved one can be very hard because um, you're almost going through the same things vicariously with the person. You're seeing the up and downs and you're kind of seeing the bigger picture when, when they're in it. So when they're really happy, you I almost felt like for me, I can't speak for everybody, but I felt like I couldn't be happy for that person when they were going through these happy times because I was worried about what's coming next. Yeah. I, 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 I could see the cycle from an outside perspective and know that this was short-lived um, and be worried when big decisions were being made um, and, and how, how it could play out for, for this person that I cared about, but being able to respect that person's process because even though I knew it was abusive, my loved one didn't know it was abusive. Um, and I would mention things and say, I don't agree with this. I don't like this. This, this is not right. You shouldn't treat. And, and I remember mentioning these things to my loved one. And that caused more fights. And that became almost more dangerous in the relationship when I would bring things up to her. Um, and then she would bring them up in her relationship. And like you guys said, it became intense um, fights and it became more dangerous. So as a loved one, for the safety of my loved one, I stepped back. And I was always there, present, but I no longer mentioned the things that I was seeing because I was more scared of what the, the conflict and the confrontation would be. Um, but always just being present, like, if you need a place to stay, this is where you can stay. Um, like, and, and just leaving it at that, like, I'm here, you know, I am here and, and you have a place to stay with me. Um, and this person would come, um, maybe a day or a weekend and then go right back, but always being present, um, because they're going to go back and I can't force them to not go back. Um, but just witnessing the process of one, recognizing it took her years after I told her that it was abusive for her to be like, yeah, I am in an abusive relationship. I didn't like, I know you've told me that for years, but it didn't click. I didn't think so. And then it clicked for her. But even when she knew it was abusive, she was not ready yet to leave. It was like, well, I just have to deal with it. This is the relationship I'm in. So I'm just going to have to deal with the abuse and, um, and maybe, you know, maybe we can work together and it may be better. So almost respecting that process. And then once she finally left and never went back, being again, that support system to be like, you're here, we can help you like regain who you are, because it's not just a place to stay, but it's rebuilding that identity 
of celebrating the small things of like, yeah, you did that by yourself. That's amazing. Like, I can't believe you did that. That was so great. Um, because it's like, that person had to believe, you're right. I could do these things that I didn't believe I could do before because he told me I couldn't for so many years. And now I'm, I'm taking risks. I'm taking chances. Um, and even as a loved one still, like the process of healing, like years later, um, is like, being able to cheer on because I'm still get confused. Like you said, Lucas, I still get confused. I'm like, why is she making a big deal of like freaking going to the store? Like, why? What the heck? Like, why is that a big deal to you? And then stepping back and being like, oh, she was not able to do this for years. And this is a big thing to me. It's something small, but to them, it's a very big thing. Um, so allowing her the space to celebrate small little things and knowing that as a loved one, you got to be patient. <laughs> you got to be patient. And it's so frustrating uh, for the loved ones because they just want to shake you and be like, get out of there. So I wish everybody was as patient as you. Are well, girl, I did that right. too. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right. Like celebrating those, those steps was like huge, you know, because it will give you more energy. Okay, I'm in the right path. I'm, again, that confirmation was really big deal. Like, confirming me that I'm doing the right thing. And I think we needed those, those words of affirmation were so needed because we, you, you did it. You had the opposite in this relationship. When I hear about things like that, uh, you know, either people dealing with relationships that they don't want to be in or like marriages that, that end in divorce, they, like you said, they hear it, they hear it from everybody, but it's not until they're like, I'm done until they finally like make that decision for themselves. It seems so sudden sometimes, and it's just crazy, but it just has to hit them. And the thing is, like, there's so many ties, too, so sometimes it has to hit them, but sometimes they have to be prepared. When you're in abusive relationships, there is um, the emotional abuse, but there is also, like, when finances are tied, you know, mm -hmm. or you're living in the same household, or you share children, um, or you're working in the same place. Um, there's so many things that sometimes you can't just as easily leave because there's so many things tying you together. What helped me was validation and validating what I was feeling. But when your loved ones don't truly understand what is happening, what is it going on, that this is more than a breakup, what's truly happening, it's hard to validate what you're feeling if you cannot understand it. And to add the flying monkeys, it was just kind of that everybody's going to hate me and they're going to think I'm this horrible monster and they never know the truth, right? Um, and living with that was hard itself. And um, I did took a mental note too, uh, when you said that, Tim, that you've been called out uh, a narcissist and, um, and they, flip, they flip it on you, right? Um, when you try to establish those boundaries. But also for the general knowledge of people, I think the term narcissist is very well misunderstood as well. Like somebody take a selfie and they think it's a, a narcissist and uh, very shallow, that's very shallow way of seeing what narcissism is. So I think understanding more into depth of what really is um, narcissism. And this is not somebody being vain or just thinking they're super pretty or handsome. Like you can have good self-esteem and take Yeah, conceited and narcissism are not the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. When you are in an abusive relationship, you've mentioned, both of you, how it affects your self-esteem, your identity, your support system, your views on conflict and boundaries. 
how then do you establish a healthy, positive relationship and move past that? Like, how do you get to that point? Is it even possible? So I can speak of my experience, of course. Um, I did gain myself that time. I did went through the healing process and I started working in that relationship again with myself. And that's what the healing was, recovering myself. And I remember that that invisible attachment that I had, right? Um, we had to cut that. And that was actually in a session. We had to cut that. It's almost like a funeral from that individual. Once you so you're also grieving the relationship. You had to go through that process. And then grieving your relationship with yourself so that you can recover the lost self that, that was there somewhere lost. So once I had myself back and I recovered that self-love, that's the healing that I'm referring about in order for me to establish any other healthy relationship. And I, I, I remember that I dated and it was... It, I wasn't ready and uh, when the right person come you were there for that chapter i i i wasn't even looking you were pushing for him away you're like no and it's, no. <laughs> and it's almost like that love bombing that we talked about because when you get somebody who just loves you and gives you all this attention it's like it love now becomes a trigger because anybody who treats me with so much attention they must be abusive because that's what it's that's how it started it started really nice and kind yeah but it was it was different though like at least like it, it wasn't like when daniel approached me it wasn't like suffocating it was like i was free it was like you can go for lunch if you want you know like if i didn't feel pressured i didn't feel not like i felt necessarily pressured at the beginning but with my with abusive relationship but I, at the beginning it was kind of like suffocating like he would call a lot and all that like i explained and i found the opposite in my current relationship that i felt that peace that i didn't have to walk on eggshells that i didn't have to worry if he was gonna get impulsive that it was just very calming very safe um and obviously you know 360 degree um difference um as far as how I felt, as far as my comfort level, how safe I felt emotionally. I could have felt safe physically with the other one because he would have fight anybody who would have like lay a finger at me, you know? And it, I remember like when he came in, like you mentioned earlier, it's just like there was a part of you that was not yet ready for it. I think the, the, the word that applies here is fear. Um, I was very much scared to open up again as well. And as soon as I saw that, you know, this, I, I even told him like, oh my gosh, you have a, a heart of gold. When I found that, um, it was, I was like, wow, like I can relax. It was like two empaths together. And we would still joke to this day. Like, I was like, no, 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 but you, you, you have a cup of water. He's like, no, you have it. No, you have it. You know, um, you don't get to recognize those healthy signs and establishing a new healthy relationship until you haven't healed the one with yourself. Like, it's not like he made me happy. When he came along, I was happy with myself, you know? I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, I was happy with every single aspect of my life. That's not what I'm saying, but I was happy with me. And I might have not felt ready, you know, to jump in, but I, I had my self-esteem healed. And there was some time, like a good amount of time um, that I'm talking about. Like, yeah, it was years. Yeah, years. You know more than I do. <laughs> she knows my story better than I do. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was there for part of it. <laughs> time. I don't know if this was last year. When did it happen? All I know is that I am here. <laughs> but I I know that when when my current relationship came up, I know in my heart that I had done my work. I think that that led me to Daniel. Really, that that really did. And if it would have been years before, I totally wouldn't. He wouldn't, nobody would have been able to make me happy. I know the question was, how did I do it? But I'm going to start with agreeing with Lourdes first because she, <laughs> she did it the right way. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, specifically in my situation, I didn't, looking, looking back now, I realized I've always had like a self-esteem issue. Uh, like um, it, it was never, to me, it was never an obvious self-esteem issue. It was just, uh, you know, this is just how I am. Maybe I'm a little shy, maybe. You know, I just don't want to be in the spotlight type of thing. But um, now I realized that there was a little, there was a little issue, and others' opinions or others' views or things that they said out of hurt or, or spite, uh, they stuck. After the relationship, I knew I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So you know, you, you remove yourself, but those things are still there. Those words, those feelings, um, they were still there. So you know, I go on, I you know, date people for a while. And uh, I noticed that I was still this this guy in this box, and and things wouldn't work out for me. Deep down, I would really like the person, but I'd, I'd hold back. Looking at it now, they'd sense that, and they'd feel like I wasn't interested or I was being aloof, like I didn't care when I did. And so, it would, you know, I'd get ghosted. It'd be done. But so then I started feeling like maybe I need to be this other guy. Maybe you know all these things that that were were sticking like I'm a you know he's a jerk he's a, you know uh you know like this guy and that guy I'm like well you know maybe I should be this guy so um, you should be the jerk guy yeah maybe that is who I am I was you know I was getting attention you're getting attention for being a jerk I was getting attention for being a jerk yes oh no. yes legit I was attracting people who, who who like before had you know their own issues and um so it it was cool for me because I I dealt with that before I was kind of comfortable with that and I'm like well you know I'm a jerk now so it really doesn't matter and um so <laughs> but but then it would come to a point where I'd, I'd start feeling it I'd start you know being the real me again and it'd be like not nah, can't do this like um you know it's, it's, I feel horrible and and now I'm stuck in like I might be stuck in this loop again with with someone who you know I just just started talking to and um i had to take time away and presently i'm on this like the journey of self-healing realizing who i am so i'm kind of in the process that's so good i'm so happy yeah. for you good job Timoteo. thank you work in progress work in progress understanding that you cannot love yourself until you know yourself it's like you know, it's like someone going on a date, number one, and be like, I love him. I was like, you don't know him. So without knowing someone, we all know that if you don't know someone, you cannot love that person. How we expect to love ourselves if you don't truly know um, yourself and who you are. It's needed in order to enter any type of relationship, in all, not just romantic relationship, just having healthy relationships around you, friendships, and, um, you know, your own family. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I've never thought of it like that, actually. 
Like, it totally makes sense if you think about it in terms of being another person. And it's respecting that, honestly, too, because, like, with you guys, you're at different levels of just your healing process and gone through different ways because you're different individuals, but also for people who are are hearing it and kind of going through the same thing, it's almost respecting that it is a process, that it takes years, it takes time to unpack all of this you are grieving um and almost relearning how um to accept yourself and to be with yourself and it takes time to like yourself i have to like myself and in my mess and like when i'm not such a good person and like when i am more scared or shy i have to like those parts of me too before i get to the point where i fully accept and love myself um, and the process looks different for so many people I can do part of that work on my own and there's part of that work that I have to do in community. Um, and it's being able to give yourself space for both in order to be in a good relationship. There are things I have to do within myself to heal my own self relationship. And I also have to learn certain things through being in a partnership. There's only so much healing I could do until I get triggered again and I get, and I learn how to respond to those difficulties in a different way without mm -hmm. having my defense mechanisms pop up again. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you guys coming on and yeah. being so vulnerable and being open and being the best of homies where you can just come in and be like, yes, I'll do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, know, I don't know about you, Timoteo, and, and I know like we're still in this process and everything, but does it feel like um, relieving and uh, freeing to talk about it openly? Because at least like it, it kind of feels powerful right to share your testimony and and hopefully that other people can can you know um benefit from hearing your testimony so not yeah. to take more time from the host but i was wondering how that made you feel yeah definitely um like i said i don't get to talk about it much anyway um unless you know i'm asked um and just thinking i'm not the only one you know what i mean like is I'm sure someone's gonna hear this and gonna be like, oh, you know, that was me or that is me, you know, and um, that's kind of cool. I, you know, it. I didn't. I didn't have that. You know, so it's kind of cool to, to know that I could be that for somebody. That's else. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing like you're not alone. There's so many people going through it, and being able to share your stories is so powerful because now you own your story. You own your story and you get to rewrite how it ends. Um, and knowing it can happen to anybody, whether you're shy and have low self-esteem to being very assertive and having the best uh, self-esteem to somebody who has no support system to the people who have the strongest support system to being a woman, to being a man, to being a professional who has studied this, who somebody who has not known this ever. It can happen to anybody at any time because it's different to understand it logically versus actually living it um, and knowing that it's okay. Like it's a process, you're going through it, you take your time to heal from it. And for those people who are observing and just witnessing somebody they love go through this, knowing that you're part of the process too and just being present and helping support somebody with just the care and the respect and letting them know what you see you know letting them know you see them um, and you see the struggle and that you're there for them if anybody wants to reach out to you guys what would be the best way for them to reach you well i have instagram it's mr rich oh my I'm gonna god follow you right now 
You're following me. All right. Let yeah, me, me too. Okay, it's mr. R, the number one, C-H. Found you. Hey, what's up? So as far as my professional services, I can be found at Aspen um, Counseling Orlando. Our website is www.aspencounselingorlando.com. I am on Facebook under Lourdes Canovas LMHC, on Instagram as Happy Minds underscore recipe. Recipe. I, I could use these banana and almond flour pancakes. I need that because I'm gluten free. Ooh. Yeah, I made like healthy pancakes the other day. I was just trying something new. But we usually end our, our show with our gratitude. So what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for adversity. I'm really, uh, uh, like I said, I haven't been talking about this subject in a, in a while. Um, and I guess that's a good sign, right? Um, but... <laughs> It, as I'm, I'm sharing my drama narrative here, um, it's, it's kind of eye-opening to see how you become the person you are today. And sometimes we have to be grateful for those situations that help you build strength and character and to, to really help you become who you are today. And I, I know we hear that a lot. And yeah, be grateful for adversity. And when we're in the middle of it all, it, it feels like you're drowning. When, we, when you look back and it's so liberating to share that story once you are healed, it's, it's, it's very eye-opening to see how much you got out of that. And it's like I said, oh, I just get chills just thinking about that. Maybe I know myself even better. I'm even stronger um, because of it. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for that, for that experience. And I'm grateful that that God was with me through the adversity and after the storm um, because it, it almost is like a rebirth. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for, um, I guess, uh, having people around um, to reinforce positivity. Um, and for the podcast, I'm grateful for I am here because um, I, I learn a lot. I've learned a lot just, you know, from listening before and and today being being on on the podcast. I'm thankful that you shared your story and I could see that that's healing on its own, just sharing that here. Oh. Thank you. You're such a therapist, Lourdes. I know, she's great, right? <laughs> she's great. <laughs> oh man, it's awesome. So sorry, I apologize, but the, the, sometimes the, the thing is that like you keep saying, like when you said that somebody called you a narcissist, and um, I left with that, I was like, let me get back to you because you are not a narcissist. <laughs> I was like, um, honestly, uh, you're, you're, I, I, I'm rooting for you to find your real self because I can tell you're such a kind person, um, and I, I can really see that you have a really kind heart. That's probably what gravitated you to be with people that needed you and led you to toxic relationships. So I know that you're in the right path, but um, I, I, I just wanted to share that. I'm sorry, but I see you. I see you. <laughs> right here. It means a lot. From one empath to another. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are so funny. I love it. I'm grateful. I want to say I'm grateful for you guys, which I am, but I know that that was already taken. So I'm going to say that I'm grateful for you guys and popcorn. 
and I'm grateful for sharing stories. This is just so nice. I'm just really happy. At the end of all of these, I always feel so full of happiness. So, but yeah, that's just me. And popcorn. I'm full of popcorn. Um, I think I am, I am grateful for this time and for you guys being vulnerable, sharing your stories. Cause like Linda said, it does take a lot of courage, um, to be open. Um, and with that, I am so grateful for, for change, for the ability to grow, for love being vulnerable and just having community, you know, being able to witness people's story without having to change anything, just being present can be so healing. And I'm grateful for you guys. Um, follow us guys on Instagram. We are at I am here pod on Instagram, Facebook, um, follow us, like subscribe, share with anybody who may need to hear some of this and hear some of these stories. Um, if it was helpful for you and maybe helpful for somebody else as well. And as always, we're so glad that you guys are here. And we're here with you. Good job, Gabby. <laughs> Finally, I did it right. Finally. <laughs>